All right, let's pray. Father, we just, we welcome you. We continue to welcome you. We know that we've already been welcoming you. We thank you for that wonderful time of praise to, to do what our mouths were made to do, to glorify you, Father, to give you praise. I pray that we would continue to worship you as we hear your word, as we spend time with each other. I pray that we would just have open ears, obedient hearts as we hear your word, and that we would seek to not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. My mask started like shredding into my mouth a little bit, so. That's why no one sits in the front row. You guys can sit in the front row if you want, by the way. It's not just for ministers and their families. <laughs> yes, if you want to get the Holy Spirit upon thee. All right. Um, I want to show you a picture of one of my friends. Can you put that picture up, Debbie? Now, you might be confused right now because I said one of my friends, but there's two pictures up there. Why is that? Does anyone not know why? Well, I'll tell you. Because they're the same person. I know, right? Spoiler alert. Sorry, guys. If you haven't seen any of the 27 movies, they're all now spoiled for you. Um, so this is, as most or, or all of you maybe know, this is uh, Dr. Bruce Banner on your left and the Hulk on your right. And the thing about the Hulk that's, that's challenging is that he can never combine these two extreme sides of him, right? So he's either like the brain, and he's only brain and no brawn, or he's like all, all brawn and no brain, right? Um, you might argue that he did combine them in Endgame, but no, he didn't. That's garbage. I don't like what they did with Hulk in Endgame, or Thor. They ruined all my you know, my expectations of who they should be anyway. But that's, that's his problem. Like, he can never combine these two at the same time and simultaneously be smart and strong, right? Um, and I think that's how a lot of people approach the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the United States. Um, we have a lot, not just in the United States, but around the world, I think. We have churches and Christians who... Um, think that faith is all about what you know and theology and having the right beliefs and even and that, those are not negative things either and not just those things but also just walking out your faith with uh, with Christ-like character like that's like some people are just all that side of faith and it's a really important side of faith and then you have other people and maybe you've known some of them who are are all power, all brawn, and no brains in their faith, right? Have you guys known anybody like that? You don't have to raise your hand, especially if the person's sitting next to you. Just kidding. But some people are, or some churches are all brawn and no faith, or all brawn, no brains. And that's what the Apostle Paul encountered a little bit in the Corinthian church when he was writing in 1 Corinthians. And he encountered this church of people who were so consumed and infatuated with the power of God that they were forgetting that they needed to live the truth of Christ in character. They needed to model their, their character after Christ as well. And so it got dangerous. And I, like the Hulk can be out of control, right? When he's, when he's the bronze side. And he can cause a lot of destruction, like destroying entire New York City, that kind of thing. Um, and, that, and the power of God can get destructive if we don't have the, the brain side of the Holy Spirit to, to balance this out. Does that make sense? 
So we don't want either of those things, right? We don't want to be all brains with void of power, and we don't want to be all power and void of character and void of truth. We want to combine them. So I want to show you another picture of who I want you to look like. That's who I want you guys to look like. Some of you already do. <laughs> Just kidding, Steve. <laughs> I didn't have that in my notes. Sorry, I tend to offend people when I don't say what's in my notes. I want you guys to look like the beast. Isn't he handsome? So this is the beast. Does anyone not know who the beast is? All right, we've got a few. Okay, so the beast is from one of my childhood favorite shows, the X-Men. Um, the X-Men is a cartoon of mutants. Well, what used to be a cartoon, now it's a movie and stuff. But when I was a kid, I watched the cartoon and I read the comic books and stuff of the X-Men. They were a group of mutants who, like, saved the world all the time. Um, and the beast, he is a scientist who's also a beast. And so he's, like, the same person all the time. And he's, like, super smart. And he, like, types on the computer with, a key, with his clawed fingers. I never knew how he was typing with the, with the long claws. But he pulled it off, probably because he's so smart. Um, but he was able to do both at the same time. Johnny, do you remember when I showed this picture to the youth group, like, years ago? Probably not, yes. So don't feel bad if you forget everything I say today. <laughs> um, but this is how, like, we want to be in terms of our experience of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit should bring in us uh, character, so like the brain side, and he should bring power in us. And we don't want to neglect either side. We want to have this balanced experience of who the Holy Spirit is, because if we have one or the other, then, then it's going to be a destructive experience of God. And what we communicate to other people about God and about the Holy Spirit will be incomplete, and it can cause harm. Um, I've known churches and pastors who, who neglect the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and, and they, they preach great truth of Christ. But it can cause harm, because it's not all God is, right? And I've already talked to you about the harm that can come from from being all power and no character. So like I said before, I think the church in the United States tends to emphasize the knowledge and character side of our spiritual lives over and above the power that the church was meant to live and minister with. We talk about the Father and the Son a lot in church sometimes, and we don't talk a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. But did you guys know the Holy Spirit is God too? Did you all know that? I want you to repeat after me. The Holy Spirit is God. Good. I think that's a healing moment for some of us. The Holy Spirit is God, too, and we, we can't neglect him, right? So we talk about, we preach, and, and we talk in theology about a trinity, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But I think a lot of people, practically, the way they live their lives is a, a binity. Is that how you would say it? We have, a, we have like a binitarian experience of God sometimes where we, we have Father and Son and we talk a lot of it, and we emphasize that a lot, but, we don't, but then we leave out the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It shouldn't be like that, right? The Holy Spirit is not a junior God. He's not a demigod. He's God, right? Just like the Father and just like the Son. Francis Chan. Does anybody know Francis Chan, author of Crazy Love? I like Francis Chan. He's good. He's solid. Um, he wrote a book called Forgotten God, and that book is about the Holy Spirit. And here's a quote from that book that I think is really powerful. He said, if I were Satan, and my ultimate goal was to thwart God's kingdom and purposes, one of my main strategies would be to get churchgoers to ignore the Holy Spirit. 
You guys think that's powerful? I think it's really powerful. I'm going to read it again because I think I forgot to put it up on the, on the PowerPoint. If I were Satan and my ultimate goal was to thwart God's kingdom and purposes, one of my main strategies would be to get churchgoers to ignore the Holy Spirit. So we don't want to do that, right? We want to give the Holy Spirit his proper place of worship, his proper place of glory and exaltation. And that's an important part of who we are at H2O. And Pastor Nino felt like we wanted to just lay this out for you guys because it's an important part of who we are. And like I said, we don't want to overemphasize the Holy Spirit at the expense of the Father and Son. But we do want to, to talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about that today. Can we? Even if he said no, I was still going to do it. So the most succinct way I've heard the ministry of the Holy Spirit described is with, with these, these three words. Um, and if any of you have been in D group before, some of this, a lot of this might be familiar to you because uh, this is a lot of stuff we talk about in D group. But these three words, if you're a note taker, you can write these three words down. With, in, upon, or on. Um, both are synonymous in the New Testament. Within, upon. So with, I want to read uh, a verse to you in John 14. I think that I, ha I have that up on the PowerPoint, Debbie. The book of John, verse 14. Man, John chapters 14, through six, 14 and 16 are awesome passages about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so you guys can check those out. Read the entire chapters later on. But I'm just going to read a few verses from it to you now. So this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And this is like his farewell address to his disciples. So last words of somebody are usually pretty important, right? These are like some of the things that Jesus wanted to make sure that he said to his disciples before he was crucified and resurrected. And here's what he said. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Yes, I read this passage probably a dozen times, a hundred times or whatever, before I caught these two different experiences of the Holy Spirit. He, he is with you, but he will be in you. So what he means by that is the disciples had not been born again yet. In the New Testament reality, they were not New Testament saints yet. They were still Old Testament saints. They were faithful. They loved God. They loved Jesus. But... But the Holy Spirit was not in them. He was only with them. So the Holy Spirit is with everybody on the planet. The Holy Spirit is God, and God is omnipresent, right? God is everywhere all the time. And so everybody on the planet, whether they have faith in Jesus or not, the Holy Spirit is with them, meaning around them, meaning, meaning influencing them in one way or another. The Scripture says that the Holy Spirit is, is in the world convicting them of guilt in regards to sin and righteousness and judgment. So that's the Holy Spirit's role in people's lives that don't know him yet. He's bringing conviction of sin to, in order to draw them to Christ, right? So he's with everybody. But the Holy Spirit is not within everybody. When we say in, we're talking about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that happens when a person is born again. A person repents of their sins, places their faith, faith in Jesus, for salvation, and then the Holy Spirit comes and takes residence inside of them and lives inside of them. Every single Christian, whether you are a person who believes in the power of the Holy Spirit or not, 
if you have repented of your sins, placed your faith in Jesus, and you're born again, then the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The Bible calls us temples of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that powerful? You guys realize that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you? Isn't that awesome? That's some power, right? But whether you're experiencing that power or not, if you have faith in Christ, then the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, okay? There's a heresy that some people preach that the Holy Spirit does not live inside people unless they have these outward expressions of the Holy Spirit, like speaking in tongues or, or prophecy and things like that. That's, that's false. That's a heresy. Don't believe that garbage. <laughs> because even if you've never spoken in tongues in your life, then the Holy Spirit still lives inside of you if you have faith in Christ. I want to make sure I'm clear on that point because, because people have been confused about that. And this is what happened to Jesus' disciples in John chapter 20. I think I had this one up on the... Here we go. This is a really powerful... Listen, listen close to this, because this is super powerful what happens to the disciples in this moment. And again, this is Jesus after he was crucified and resurrected. And so now the blood of Jesus had been shed to cleanse the saints of all their sin. And when you're cleansed of your sin, now God can be in you and not just with you. Right now, God can get as close to you as he wants to get because there's no sin barrier between you and him because Jesus' blood has cleansed you. So this is after Jesus had been crucified, shed his blood. And here's what he says to his disciples. And he's risen from the dead. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So why would he say receive the Holy Spirit? That must mean we have to believe that the Holy Spirit, they had not received the Holy Spirit yet, right? Or else Jesus wouldn't have said, receive the Holy Spirit. And so at that moment, I believe the Old Testament saints became New Testament saints, became people who had placed their faith in God, like Abraham and Moses and all these wonderful Old Testament saints. They did not have the Spirit of God living inside of them always, walking around everywhere they went. But now, in this moment, Peter and John and James and all the disciples and all all the disciples who were there received the Holy Spirit's indwelling. He came to live inside of them. And now every single Christian can have that same experience. Does that make sense? So this is the point they were born again, right? I think that's important for us to realize because there's another experience that they had with the Holy Spirit later that they did not experience then. Even though the Holy Spirit came to live inside them, they did not experience this other thing that's coming that I'm going to tell you about right now. I'm about to talk about the Hulk now. Now it's about to get real anyhow. So I want to look at another verse. Um, and this is what the New Testament calls the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is something that we believe in at H2O. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is different than the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that happens when a person is born again. So after the disciples received the indwelling, Jesus promised them another experience of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1. Acts 1.8, one of our faves. And here's what Jesus said. So again, let me just make sure that we're all on the same page. Jesus had died, resurrected, and now he's getting ready to ascend to the Father. When all the disciples were gathered around and Jesus went up into the clouds, right? This is what he said to them before he went up into the clouds. He said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You hear that? Upon? Now we're talking, we talked about with, in, and now upon. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. 
This was Jesus' promise to his disciples. He told them, wait in Jerusalem, seek me until you have this other experience when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This verse also reveals to us the reason why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to them. Does anybody see the reason why he sent the Holy Spirit? What does he say will happen? Go ahead and just shout it out. Power. You will receive power. So power is not a dirty word after all, right? Even though sometimes we treat it like, man, power, I got to avoid it because we know power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? You've heard that. And so I can't experience power. I can't seek power because it could be, it could corrupt me. And I'll tell you, like I said before, it will corrupt you if you don't have, if you don't have the balance of the, of the truth of Jesus and the character of Jesus with you at the same time, right? And so that's why we need both. But this power is not just so that you can speak in tongues. It's not so that you can feel this warm, fuzzy feeling when you're singing praise songs or when you're praying. It's not so that you can become a spiritual magician and do party tricks for people. Or it's not so that you you can join a, a club of the spiritually elite. It's none of those things. It might include some of those things, except for that last one about being spiritually elite or doing party tricks, I guess, too. And it's not even only for your own spiritual growth. This power is not just for anything we want. It's power for a specific thing. And what's that specific thing that it says in this passage? To be witnesses. Not just to do witnessing, but to be witnesses. When we, we receive the power of the Holy Spirit, we become this living witness of the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ. We become like Lazarus, who after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, there are passages in the scripture recorded where it says, and Lazarus was sitting there eating dinner with them. Isn't that crazy? You got this dead guy who was resurrected by Jesus's power, and he's just sitting and having dinner with people. That You can be a Lazarus for people, a testimony of the resurrecting power of Jesus everywhere you go. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it gives you power, not just for anything, but power for witness, power to be a witness, to do the mission that God's called you to do. So let me show you an illustration that, um, that I learned from one of my heroes named Dick Schroeder. You guys have heard us, who's heard us talk about Dick Schroeder before? Yeah. So Dick recently passed away, and he, he, was, he was one of my heroes, seriously. I mean, this guy, I've, I've, I've received his ministry several times in my life, and wonderful man of God. He was a Chi Alpha guy uh, who did ministry at, um, in Bozeman, Montana, and he walked out this power of the Holy Spirit um, every day, story after story of people that encountered God's power through Dick's ministry. He really lived that out, that he was a witness. He, he became a witness for Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he, he shared it with this, uh, this illustration with us that I want to share with you. And so, who knows what this is? Good job. I'm just trying to make sure you guys aren't falling asleep on me, Yafet. What is this, Yafet? Good job. I think you said it underneath that mask. I wasn't sure. A wrench. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe he is asleep. Um, this is a screwdriver. Now, a screwdriver, it's a very useful tool, especially this one. This is a really fancy one. I've had this for like probably 17 years when I first got married. Um, this one, it comes apart, and you have a, uh, a bigger Phillips side and a smaller Phillips side. They use the bigger one more often. And then, surprise, the shaft comes out. I know, right? The shaft comes out, and you have a flathead screwdriver on the other side. 
wait, a smaller flathead side. I know. Don't be trying to steal this, Isaac. I see him coveting it right now. So a screwdriver is, is very useful for some jobs. And some jobs, you just can't, you just need a delicate tool like this, something that you can really control the strength that you use so that you don't like strip out a screw or cause damage. If you want to do something like the fine tuning, you might, you might drill something in with a power drill, but then you might hand tighten it just to make sure that it doesn't strip out the screw, right? So these are very useful tools. But let me share something else with you. I'm going to put this, where am I going to put this so you guys can look at it and, and just enjoy the splendor? Nowhere. Oh, well. Yeah, yeah, here, Seth. You can be my assistant. Come here. This is my oldest son, Seth. Everybody give Seth a round of applause. <laughs> he's 11, even though he looks 16. And he can't wait for the day that he's taller than me, which is probably like next week. So, now this is a power drill. This is my Makita 18-volt lithium-ion hammer drill. Does anyone know what a hammer drill is? Yeah, Isaac. Yes. So you use impact drivers for, to drill into concrete. You hear that? You hear that power? Yeah, that's pretty nice. Um, now you can use this to drill into concrete if you have a special drill bit because um, it's a hammer drill. And now this, this job or this tool is for jobs that just can't be done with a screwdriver, right? Sometimes you have a job that might be just too big. It might require a little bit more muscle than I have, which happens a lot for me. Um, you just need, sometimes you need a power drill. It, and it makes things go faster. And it's just more fun. <laughs> now, this is what can happen to us when we receive the power of the Holy Spirit. It can give us this extra tool. It doesn't remove the screwdriver. Display the screwdriver, please. There you go. It doesn't remove the screwdriver from our toolbox, but it adds another tool that you can use when it's necessary. And this isn't, this isn't always necessary, right? Sometimes, like I said before, it can cause damage if you use this when you shouldn't, right? So if a friend comes to you and says, man, will you pray for me? My grandma just died. I'm really bummed. And if you say, amen, let's pray in the Holy Spirit right now and you start shouting in tongues, that's not going to be, that's probably going to cause harm, right? In those moments, you need, uh, you need the gentleness of the Holy Spirit, right? The fruit of the Holy Spirit that it talks about in Galatians 5. You need the gentleness, the kindness of the Holy Spirit. You don't need the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you might listen to the Holy Spirit for his power, but, but if you try to just bring out the, the, the power drill in that moment, then you're going to cause some harm, right? You want that one more time, Autumn? Autumn's loving it. Seth, you're done. Good job, buddy. Seth dominated. Does that make sense? So when we have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, it opens us, it gives us access to this new source of power that you've never experienced in your life before. And it gives you power to, man, when your friend comes to you and says, I just got diagnosed with a disease, Right? You can listen to them, and you can use the screwdriver, and you can show them love and gentleness. But wouldn't it be awesome? <laughs> 
Wouldn't it be awesome if you also had a power drill that you could, you could pray for that person and see that person healed? Right? That's what can happen to us when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. I want to make an important distinction here. That the person who has the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not a better Christian. Is not, like I said before, not spiritually elite, not more spiritual than the person that does not have the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Listen, guys, some of the godliest people I've ever known did not experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Just like the, the, the people who were just so close to Jesus and had a wonderful relationship with him knew Christ intimately, did not have the Holy Spirit. Because I have the baptism in the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than them, right? Doesn't make me more spiritual than them or closer to Jesus than them. But what it does do is it makes me a better me. And so, and it would have made that person a better them too, right? So all of the intimacy that they have with Jesus, all of the knowledge of the word of God, all of the character that they developed through the years following Jesus, if, if they had also had that power drill in their toolkit, then think about how much more effective even they could have been for the glory of God, right? So it could have made them a better them, and it makes me a better me, and it can make you a better you, right? Our pastor's wife, Nino's wife, Tammy, tells a story of when she was baptized in the Holy Spirit as a college student here at U of M. And, and she, when she first heard about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, she was like, I didn't even know that this was a thing. I didn't even know about this. And some of you guys here might, might not even know that this is a thing. And you might even be wondering, kind of skeptical, like, is this, is this for real? Like, should I trust this? Well, I encourage you to read the New Testament, and I think you'll trust it more. Because <laughs> it's in there. And I'm reading some passages to you today that, that shows that it's in there. But you might be wondering, can I even trust this? But what Tammy's approach was is what I hope all of our approach is. is it, and she, she said, man, if God has given out gifts, I want it. Right? Why would I say no to a gift that God has available to me? The reason that we might say no would not be godly reasons. Right? And it's okay if you're not there yet. You know, faith takes time to build. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the message of Christ. And if this is your first time hearing about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's okay. You know, you don't have to it's okay if you have questions and you want to investigate somewhere. That's fine. Faith takes time to build. But, um, but if, if God reveals to you that this is a gift that he's offering to people, then why would we say no? Why would we not want to receive that? Right? I'm going to give you a chance to receive that. That power from the Holy Spirit later. Um, we're going to have a time of worship. We only had three songs at the beginning, so we could have a little bit more time for some worship and praise at the end and some prayer. And so if, if, you're, if you're saying that, man, I want this gift that, that the Father wants to give me, then you'll have a chance, okay? But the Christian life, it can be lived without the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. But it was never meant to be lived without the power of the Holy Spirit. You look in the New Testament, and it seems like just, that was just the normal Christian life for people in the New Testament. They just lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that can be for us, too. I wonder if you guys ever feel like this. I felt like this so many times in my life that, that I'm going through life trying to serve God, trying to love my wife and my kids, or trying to reach out to people and, 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 and help other people be saved, and I just don't have power to do it. I feel like I'm just like trying to do it in my own strength. Have you guys ever felt that way? You don't have to raise your hand. But I think you've probably felt that way too. You just don't feel an abundance of wisdom to make decisions 
right? You know the Holy Spirit can give you more wisdom to live life. You might not see the presence of the miraculous in your life. You pray and you don't see answers to your prayers. You don't feel God leading you to minister to your classmates or your coworkers or your family. When you do try to minister, you feel like you're, you're limited in your ability to communicate or your ability to have an impact on their spirits as you minister to people or as you talk to people or witness to people. Did you know that life doesn't have to be that way? That the Christian life does not have to be that way? But this is the way that most Christians live. In the United States, we're experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit to a much less degree than the vast majority of our Christian brothers and sisters worldwide. I haven't visited all these countries, but from what I hear from missionaries and read and things like that, I don't experience the kind of skepticism in Latin America or in Africa or in Asia when they talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In the United States, we try to dissect it and, and figure them all out. Do you guys know that you cannot figure God out fully, right? If you can figure him out, then, then you probably invented him. Andrew Muyandra likes that one. I remember that, Andrew. He liked that last time I said that. You, and you can't figure out the Holy Spirit either. He is, he is mysterious, and he will continue to be mysterious for all eternity, even, though you're, even when you're with him in heaven. Um, and so, yeah, study God. Try to learn about him, and God can reveal his truth to us for sure. But don't feel like you have to have him all figured out before you take a risk and receive from him, because that will not happen. It will never happen. If you're waiting for that, you'll be waiting a long time, friends. Okay? And I am not saying that the Christian life should always be full of emotional highs either. It should not be all this, just this big honeymoon experience because no relationship is a honeymoon experience forever, right? I believe God brings us through seasons in which he pulls back some of those feelings and, and emotional experiences that we have with him or spiritual experience in order to test our faith and mature us. And that could be from God for a season, Right? for a dry season, for a wilderness season. But that should not be our entire Christian life. There's more available to us. All right. So I want to read another passage to you. Just This is a short one as well. It's in Acts chapter 2, so you can turn there. While you're flipping there, I'm going to take a swig of this thing. Yeah. I believe that the Bible teaches that this power from the Holy Spirit is available to every Christian. Every Christian can access this. And I don't have time to go into all the reasons why I believe that right now, but if you want to ask me about it later, I'd be glad to talk some more about it. <clears throat> but I believe it's for every one of you today. Look at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to turn there and read it out of here, because I didn't put it on the PowerPoint, did I, Debbie? Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. This is the story. So Jesus promised in Acts 1 8. He said, when you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, right? And then the very next chapter, he fulfilled that promise. And here's what happened. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on, you hear that? on upon, rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Tongues, weird, right? Tongues is weird. How many people, how many of the disciples who were in the upper room when the Holy Spirit came upon them, spoke in tongues that day? What does the passage say? All of them. Yeah. 
It wasn't based on personality. You had all different personalities in the room. It wasn't based on spiritual gifts. You know, some people might have had a teaching gift. Other people might have had a gift of hospitality. Other people might have had a gift of leadership or administration. The Holy Spirit fell on all of them, and all of them spoke in tongues. Even the, even the introverts, even the quiet ones, even the shy ones. It's not based on your personality, so don't believe that lie. The Holy Spirit's available for shy people too, right? Not just for, not just for people who are gregarious and like to yell anyway. <laughs> it's for all of you. And this can happen to us today. So I want to clarify. Okay, we're getting, we're getting close, guys. We're almost done. Can you guys hang with me for a couple more minutes? If you can, say go blue. All right. Good. <laughs> Thanks. So I want to clarify this before we pray. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is not all about speaking in tongues. Some people overemphasize this, this speaking in tongues like, like it's everything. But it's just the beginning. It's not all about speaking in tongues. It begins with speaking in tongues, but it is intended to go far beyond that. But speaking in tongues is an important confirmation to your own heart that the baptism in the Holy Spirit has happened to you. Speaking in tongues is not evidence to the person sitting next to you or standing next to you or praying with you that you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because... Regretfully, I think people have faked it, right? People have pretended to be, you know, miracle-working Christians or whatever, and they, and they have pretended to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they, they faked speaking in tongues. Like, we don't know what's happening in a person's heart. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you begin to speak a language that you never learned, that is confirmation to your own heart. I know I'm not faking this, right? And sometimes you might even doubt it, that you're faking it. But... Man, if your heart is sincere, if you just want Jesus and you want to glorify him and you're not trying to be weird or selfish or whatever or prideful so that you can be part of the spiritually elite club, which is not a thing, by the way, um, if you know that your heart is sincere and you begin to speak in this language that you never learned, then you can be confident that that's evidence to you. That is the first physical sign that you will experience when the Holy Spirit comes upon you in power. You'll begin to speak in this language you never learned. And, and if you think that's weird and creepy, again, read the New Testament, and you'll see it there. And so if the, if the early Christians did it, man, I can do it too. And I see nothing in the New Testament, even though people will, will misinterpret parts of the New Testament, and they'll say that, that this is no longer for today. Um, we can talk about those scriptures if you want to later, one-on-one -on -one or as a group or whatever you want to do. Um, and, and it's pretty clear that that is not what that, those scriptures are teaching. There's nowhere in the New Testament that teaches that these things do not, should not still happen. And there's so much in the New Testament about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Why would God put all that teaching in there? The book of Acts is not just a storybook, it's a teaching book, right? Why would God put all that teaching in there if, it, if we weren't supposed to learn how to live through it, right? These things can and should happen today. But a lot of people receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit and they speak in tongues and then they never experience more of the Holy Spirit in their lives. I've talked to, I've been in campus ministry now for what, 15 years almost, 14 years, 15 years. I've talked to a lot of Christian kids who grew up in a Pentecostal church or whatever and I'm like, and I asked them, have you ever received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and, and have, you, have you experienced the evidence of speaking in tongues along with that? And they'll say, well, yeah, yeah, I went to like, you know, I went to kids camp at Fahola camp in middle school 
and, uh, and they prayed for me, and I spoke in tongues. I'm like, man, that's awesome. Like, so, what do you, so what's your experience with the Holy Spirit like now? And they're like, well, I, I mean, I, I've never really spoken in tongues again. You guys know that that is pretty much no good. That pretty much the net gain there is like zero. To speak in tongues one time and then never do it again. It's meant to be a doorway, to access, a beginning to access everything that the Holy Spirit has for you guys. The power that he has available to you. So you won't feel limited by your own strength anymore. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound like good news? Right? Doesn't that sound like, wow, it'd be better to live life that way. Better to live life victorious and abundant and full of power and strength, right? I don't know if you guys want it, but I want it. (laughs) Maybe you don't, but I encourage you to seek it. Yeah? You have to cultivate the life of the Spirit after you, after you receive it. Okay. Last scripture. You ready? This scripture builds a lot of faith for me. Um, and I pray that it will build faith for you as well in terms of receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're going to read this scripture and then we're going to pray, okay? It's in Luke chapter 9. I didn't put it up, put it up there so you can turn to it. Luke 9. I'm going to read verses 9 through 13. And this is Jesus speaking to his disciples again. He says, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. And the, the Greek verbs there, ask, seek, knock, those are, those are continuous present for anybody who cares. Those are continuous present verbs in the Greek language, meaning ask and persist in asking. Seek and persist in your seeking. Knock and keep knocking until the door is open, right? That's the posture we need to take when we're asking God for his gifts. And then Jesus goes on to say, What father among you, if a son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? What a jerk move. <laughs> it's like, Dad, can I have a fish? It's like, here, son, here's a, here's a fish. Open up this paper bag. Here's a fish for you. And you're reaching your hand. You're like, yeah, I got a viper on my hand. What father would do that? Or if his son asks for an egg, would give him a scorpion? That'd be a surprise, too. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I've heard this passage quoted a lot of times, and they leave off that really important tagline. We'll receive what? Just anything you want? We'll receive the Holy Spirit. This is specifically about asking for the Holy Spirit. And if you ask him, you're good, you're perfect father. If you ask him with faith, and you just surrender it to him, you can trust that he will give that gift to you. Right? I can't promise you how it's going to look all the time or when exactly you might understand that that gift's been given to you, but I believe that he will give it to you if you ask and persist in asking. If you seek and keep seeking, if you knock and keep knocking until the door is opened, the Holy Spirit, the Father will give this gift of the Holy Spirit to you. Do you believe it? Yeah, I believe it. So can you guys stand with me? We're going to have uh, some, a little bit more time of praise here. It's twelve seventeen, so we're good. We got, we got a little time. And if anyone, if at any point you need to go, I'm not dismissing the church, so don't think that. But, but we just might hang out and pray for a while, and so this might be kind of an open-ended time. We might not say, okay, you're all dismissed now. But if, but if it starts to get a little bit late and you have to go, um, go ahead, go. 
If you get hungry and you have to go, don't go. <laughs> oh. um, but this is going to be a little bit of an open-ended time. So we'll just, we'll just spend some time in God's presence. And we're going to sing some songs of praise. And sometimes, I think, um, in order to receive a new language that you've never spoken before, sometimes you just got to grease, grease up the wheels a little bit and just start speaking praise <laughs> and singing praise to God in the languages you know. And then, and then he can use your tongue and loose your tongue to experience this language you don't know. All right? But some of you guys might even be here, and all of the only experience you have with the Holy Spirit right now is that with experience, where you don't even have the Holy Spirit living inside of you yet. We can fix that today. Did you know that? <laughs> that, that can change today. That, that the Holy Spirit can go from just being this person that's around you all the time to being a person that's actually inside of you, giving you saving this, this salvation experience so that you can go to heaven and that you can begin to, to live this eternal life in God's spirit today. So if you've never repented of your sins and placed your faith in Jesus and, and experienced that indwelling of the Holy Spirit, you can today. And so I want to invite you to, to do that. Is it, can anyone just like right now as I'm just, as I'm talking, you're like, yeah, I think that's me. Um, will you just raise your hand and let me know? If, that, if there's somebody who's just like, I've never really repented of my sins and placed my faith in Jesus. Can you raise your hand nice and high? Is there anybody? All right. Cool. Well, then we might have other people here, people who have repented of their sins, and they have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is, is, just, is just kind of never really bursted forth. Jesus promises that, that he will give us rivers of living water bursting forth, you're like, a, you're like a sponge that's been soaked in a bowl of water. But you've never had that, that sponge lifted up by God and squeezed so that it could clean something or do something, you know? You've never had the Holy Spirit flow out of you in power. <laughs> clean something or do something, Justin, you know? I mean, you've never experienced that before. And you can do that today. You can experience that today. So... And then we have this other group of people who maybe you have experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. You've spoken in tongues, and maybe God has used you in his Holy Spirit in many different ways. Um, God wants to use you more, right? And, and we need to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-and-done kind of thing. We need to seek a filling of, this, of his Spirit every single day, right? And so any people who are in those three categories, I want to invite you to come down. You can come down right now if you want. Um, if you just want to experience this greater power of the Holy Spirit. Man, I hope that's a lot of people <laughs> that want to experience a greater power of the Holy Spirit, right? I know that I'm going to be up here praying and asking God for a greater experience of his Holy Spirit. So come down if that's you. Come down if you want to receive the power of the Holy Spirit for the first time. And if, that, and if you want that, then when someone comes to pray for you, just tell them, will you pray for me that God will give me this gift of the Holy Spirit for the first time? And we'd love to pray with you about that, okay? And if... Again, if, if someone's in here and they've never repented of their sins and put their faith in Jesus and received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, then there's an opportunity for you too as well. You can come down front and pray. Man, there's something powerful, guys, about coming down, just like getting out of your seat and making a move, a step of faith. Um, one thing about this Luke 11 thing is that he said, anyone who asks me, and I think a lot of times people who want the power of the Holy Spirit haven't received it because they've never asked. And so we need to ask right? So, to, so make a move, take a step, and ask him for whatever it is you want today. Sound good? These guys lead us, and as they lead us, just come on down. Sound good? Sound good? <laughs> Let me pray for you. Father, you are, you're amazing. You're wonderful. 
You're just, you're so powerful, Father, and you are infinite and indescribable, incomprehensible, God. There's no way that we could ever understand everything about you, God. And this person of the Holy Spirit can be kind of mysterious and, and scary at times because we fear the unknown. I pray that any fear that would keep people from experiencing everything you have for them would go right now by the power of Christ in the name of Jesus would, would go. I pray that all, all pride, all fear of looking silly or foolish, fear of not receiving the gift when you ask, all that, all that garbage that the devil tries to do in our minds, all the doubt, I pray that all would just go right now. That you bring faith, Father, faith to receive the free gift of salvation, the free gift of the Holy Spirit. We trust, God, that as we ask you, that you will give it to us. We seek you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on down, guys.